look, I feel for him. It's obviously sad for him, and he's obviously, in my view, made a made a made, a, made an error that's you know, desperately affected his career. But I'm relieved for rugby that I don't say it's obviously it's not over, or not not necessarily over. It seems like that he can appeal within 72 hours, and he'll probably appeal, and there'll be a whole new panel. But the fact that three serious legal beagles have looked at it have gone through it line by line. What did he agree to? What did he do? Did he breach his contract? And looked at it and said, yes, you've breached your contract and you're gone. Uh, well, they haven't yet said you're gone, but it seems very likely they'll say the sanction is it's quite legitimate to terminate your contract. That's a relief for rugby because what it does indicate is the likelihood that it won't go on for months and months and years and years. Is there any chance he remains contracted to Rugby Australia? I can't see it. I mean, seriously, can you? I mean, the, the no. thing is, he, he's lost beyond losing the legal argument in the first round. We'll see how many rounds this goes. There's a lot of there's a lot of you because this is such a sort of a conservative touch point that you know freedom of speech, freedom of religion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that he might be funded in a legal challenge from outside. But even then, even then, you know, in Australia, so I'm a, I'm a journalist, I've got a few roles in Australia. And in, in, a, in any of those roles, for example, I'm with Sydney University in a role. In any of those roles, if I put up a post like that on a Monday morning, I wouldn't make midday be, to say, you know, that you're representing, a, you're representing our organisation. We're not as progressive as New Zealand. But, I mean, you tell me, may I ask you, it's your show, not mine, but let me ask you, if you guys in New Zealand put up a post like that right now, would you get through to midday before you were in front of the the HR department? Oh, we would be so at HR that you know we'd we'd be uh, we'd be sitting outside as if we're going to the headmaster's office waiting probably right. not long after. And it's fair enough, you know. It's like that. That's the way it works across Australia too. That you public servants couldn't put that up. And and the broad answer is this that. I'm in the business, you're in the business, and Israel is, a, is in a business where he's, we're all standing in front of a tent and all, all of us are saying to the public, come inside, come inside. In Israel, come inside to watch us play football. You guys, come inside, listen to my radio show. For me, come inside, read my articles. And our employers give us money because they reckon that we will bring more people inside by a huge number then we will repel. Yes, you know. So, in my case, because I'm sometimes a polemicist and I write, you know, strong things, it may be line ball. <laughs> but, but in the end, in the end, that's what my employers believe, and in the end, that's why with Israel Palau, it was a million bucks on the line a year. You bring a lot of people into this tent. From the moment he put that post up, and there was a neon sign above him saying, you know, gays are going to burn in hell. The tide turned and people rushed away from that tent. And, it, you know, it's not only made headlines in in Australia, obviously New Zealand, but all over the world, you know, in France and England and America, it's been a big deal. And it's like, it's also a thing for Australia. You know, this has made headlines around the world that our leading, one of our leading footballers has said, gays are going to burn in hell. Everyone's checked their watches and said, really, is this the 21st century? Where did this come from? And... This is not to say that this guy, Israel Folau, is a bad man. He's not a bad man. But he doesn't 
get it. He just doesn't get it. We don't do that stuff anymore. Yeah. 